When we hear the living God speaking to us, many of our doubts and fears and uh, confusions get put in their place. Maybe you've experienced this for yourself, and I have. There's times going on, I think, what's happening? What's going on? I'm not sure about really anything. Is God even real? And then God speaks, and you are reminded again. He's spoken to you again. You're refreshed. You're encouraged. Maybe that happened, and that was part of the process by which you became a Christian. You didn't really think God existed or anything like that. And then something happened that wasn't just like, oh, it was a series of events, or it even wasn't sense of, I was exploring this for myself. Someone spoke to you the word of God, and you suddenly knew God was real. You knew that Jesus was alive and he was speaking to you and you needed to do something about that. That is the gift of prophecy. I believe God is alive. I believe he is speaking to us. He's been speaking to us today. He wants to speak to each one of us. He wants to speak to all of us together and to this whole city. And the gift of prophecy is one of the ways in which he does that. He has spoken to us definitively in his son. If you want to know what God is like and what God is saying, read about Jesus. He has spoken to us in his word. All of this book is God speaking definitively to us. And he speaks to us now through his people by the gift of prophecy. And I want us to want this. I want you to want this. I want you to want this even if you're not yet a Christian. But think, that sounds amazing. That would be huge for me if I realised that this was true. If you're a Christian, I want you to believe that God can speak through you and to you by the gift of prophecy. I'm going to show you uh, why this is a biblical thing to expect and why we should expect it, how we can expect it, what it's going, what it looks like. You'll have already experienced a little bit of that this morning. If you've been part of a church uh, like King's uh, for any period of time, you may notice that people during meetings, either in big public Sunday meetings or midweek groups or other contexts, uh, bring contributions. That things aren't entirely led from the front, as it were. There's a sense of different people coming and sharing. Sometimes they will have um, some words that they want to say. There's a message that they feel they need to convey. Other times they may have a, a picture or a vision of something that they feel God wants them to share with other people, and there's an application of that uh, to other people's lives. Sometimes it, can just, it, it just can be an impression. People will say, I feel this, or I'm, I'm experiencing a, or an emotion, or something like that, and, and it's a way in which God is speaking through them to others. We believe that all of this is part of the gift of prophecy that God gives to his church today. The reason we believe this is because the Bible tells us to expect that. And so what I want to do uh, with us this morning is, um, basically we're going to kind of take some various snapshots from the life of the Apostle Paul. Usually when we preach, we we kind of focus on one passage and we really dig into it and see what's there. Uh, But today I want us to kind of zoom out and have a big picture from the life of Paul, what prophecy can be like for us today. And from that I want us to see that prophecy is for today, prophecy is for all of us. Prophecy, one of the things it does is it gets things started. And then I want to talk about how we process prophecy. So there's a lot for us to get through. Uh, It's believed that God's going to give us grace to do that. So let's firstly talk about this important point. Prophecy is for today. I absolutely believe that. Now, some people who are brilliant Christians and love God's word would disagree with us on this point. They would say prophecy ceased with the first generation of Christian believers. And often part of the reason they would say that is those first generation of believers didn't have the Bible like we do. 
but so they, God had to speak to them in prophetic ways right there, right then. But now we've got the Bible, God's ultimate prophecy, and so there's no need for us to expect prophecy in that way. Part of the reason some people would hold that position is because they've seen prophecy misused. They've seen people say, well, I know the Bible says this, but I believe God's saying that, and I believe that right now, and so that's more important than this. And almost a sense of people claiming to be prophets, but in conflict with God's word. And so some people say, well, that looks really dangerous, that looks unhelpful, uh, there's, no, there's no security in that, it's, it's, it could be even dangerous, and so they veer away from it. But the thing to do when something's being used wrongly is not to not use it at all, it's to get... It's to work out how to use it correctly and to do that and to teach and model that to others. And so I, I believe that although prophecy can be mishandled, I don't think it needs to be and I don't think God wants it to be and I want us to handle it rightly. And actually, I totally believe the Bible. I love the Bible and the Bible tells me to expect prophecy now and today. There was a prophecy in the Old Testament a promise. It's in Joel 2. And God says in Joel chapter 2, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That's a promise from God. And he's declaring what was going to happen after Jesus had come to establish a new covenant, a new deal between God and his people. And God says, as part of that, I'm going to pour out my spirit, my presence, myself on all people, and they will all prophesy, your sons and your daughters. And when that moment happens, it's described in Acts chapter 2, the apostle Peter explains to the crowd what's happened. And in his summary of all of this, he says, that, prophet, that promise from hundreds of years ago is now coming to pass. And he says, this is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So that promise that all could prophesy, Peter says, is for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So if you're a Christian, I would say anytime, anywhere, Peter says that Joel is saying, that God is saying, prophecy is right now. It's for right now. And I think the rest of the New Testament assumes this. We see several examples of prophecy going to the next generation, as it were. It wasn't just the first Christians, it was to be for the, their, uh, those who they passed their faith on to. There's a guy called Philip the Evangelist, and we're told that Paul goes and visits his house. Philip had four daughters. They all prophesied, we're told. And that's definitely told in a way that is great. Paul didn't say, you shouldn't be doing that anymore. I'm busy writing the New Testament. They prophesied. When Paul went to Ephesus, there was a group of people there, and uh, he told them the gospel. They became believers, and it says, but when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues, as you've heard today, and prophesying. Again, this is meant to be normal Christianity. Paul speaks to Timothy, who is his protege. Years later, towards the end of Paul's life, he says to Timothy, Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy, when the council of elders laid their hands on you. There's still this sense of prophetic ministry happening amongst the believers. And in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul explicitly tells us, prophecy will cease when Jesus comes back. He says, when the perfect comes, then prophecy will cease. We won't need to tell each other what God is saying because we will all see God face to face. And until that moment, Paul implies, expect prophecy. Just to be clear right from the start, the kind of prophecy we're talking about today 
Biblical prophecy does not replace or redefine what God has timelessly and perfectly said in his word. Prophecy is always in line with what God has said in his word. We're going to see that later on. But the Bible tells us to expect God to speak now and to encourage us to desire to prophesy. So I guess my question for you is, are you expecting this? Are you desiring this? Are you wanting, hoping for this for yourself? Because I'm going to show you the Bible wants you to. So prophecy is for today and prophecy is for all of us. Paul, after he became a Christian, was part of a community that cherished and expected and valued prophetic ministry to be among them. We're told in Acts 11:27. now in those days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Paul was in Antioch. It was the church that he was uh, part of. And there were prophets in Jerusalem and they came to Antioch. In Acts 13, we're then told, now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. So there were prophets in Jerusalem. They come down to Antioch. They go home eventually. But what do they leave in Antioch? Seemingly an expectation that prophecy would be part of the life of the church there. And so there are prophets in Antioch as well. Later on in Acts 15, we're told Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, again from Jerusalem, encouraged and strengthened the brothers and sisters in Antioch with many words. The the church that Paul was part of received apostolic ministry, was encouraged by apostolic ministry, uh, prophetic ministry, and had prophetic ministry within it, had people who were prophesying. There's no sense of competition amongst these leaders. There are prophets and teachers, we're told, in Antioch. And that's a dream combination. You want both of those kind of gifts to be at work. Because prophets speak God's word, leaders help us work out what that means and how to apply it, as we'll see later on. Prophetic ministry can be quite challenging. I think sometimes uh, some people just think it just makes life more difficult because I've made some careful plans and uh, I think this is what we're going to do. And then someone else comes in and says, what about this? And we think, well, that's difficult. And those of you who are less spontaneous, those of you who like to plan everything out uh, way ahead of time, may find prophetic ministry almost, I wouldn't say irritating, but irritating. (laughs) Because you think... This is, what God, this is what I'm going to do. And then a prophet comes in and says, why on earth are you doing that? I feel God's saying you need to do this. Good leadership makes space for that. Good leadership is able to kind of create context for the gift to flourish. Good leadership wants to hear prophetic ministry. Because not only does the prophetic, not only does the prophetic challenge, because prophetic people, if you've got a strong prophetic gift, you will just see things differently. I've got, I remember realizing one of, my, one of my good friends had a prophetic ministry and just was a prophetic guy. And I was like, this is why you all, I just say, isn't it like this? And you always seem to say, it's like that. Because you just saw things differently. But what else, the, what else does the prophetic do? Well, Acts 15, it used this word to describe it. They were encouraged by prophets. It was encouraging for them that there were people prophesying. And when he talks about this in, Acts, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul uses the same idea. He says, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. And so that's a helpful question. Do you feel that you could do with some upbuilding, some encouraging, and some consoling? If any or all of those are the kind of things you think, I really could do with that, you need prophetic. 
You need people to prophesy over you. Because that's what the prophetic ministry does. I think that's helpful to realise that. So when you're, work, when you're a working definition of prophesying, sense of God speaking now through his people, primarily in ways to encourage and to build and to console. Because usually when we think of prophecy, what you think of is predicting the future. And there is often an element of that to the prophetic, but that isn't all that it is. Often it's this sense of being encouraged, being challenged, hearing from God. So an example from my own life, remember years ago, I guess it must have been 10 years ago, um, and those of you who are in business might do these kind of things where you, know, you do the kind of personality profile thing. Um, I did something called the Strengths Finder. And the book, uh, you had to read a book called Now Discover Your Strengths. Uh, and then you had to do, a, I think it was like a 40-minute survey or something like that. Uh, all these different questions. So it was a little bit better than the kind of thing you see on your Facebook wall, which is like, you know, which type of horse are you or whatever. <laughs> this was much more specific you know, trying to get businessmen paying on this kind of thing. And so I, so I did this, and I found it really helpful. I was like, ah, this is, I'm like that, I'm like that, I'm like that. That's why I think people are strange when they don't think like this, because it's how I think. But what I noticed over the next uh, few weeks and months even was almost a kind of an, an anxiety in me that said, well, I can do that because I know that's one of my strengths, but I can't do that because that's just not one of my strengths. And I found myself kind of like, you need to know what your gifts are and what that means, but I... I almost felt myself being restricted by this. I, could, I wouldn't have described it in that way, but that was what was in my head. Anyway, one day I was at a meeting, and a guy I knew, but who didn't know anything about this, was praying for me. And he said, Luke, I really feel God's saying to you not to put limits on yourself. He's saying you're putting limits on yourself, and God's saying, that's not right. I want you to lift those limits off and just to go in my strength. That was prophetic ministry at work, so helpfully. It was a revelation of what God wanted to say to me wasn't really about the future, it was about right now. I was encouraged by that. I was challenged by that a bit and continue to be. And so when I sometimes now think, well, I don't really know how to do that, I won't know how to do that, partly I sometimes think, well, am I putting a limit on there that God doesn't want me to? Prophets bring that kind of gift to us. Prophecy also should make us outward-looking and should bless not just Christians. So if you're here and you're not a Christian... Prophecy is good news for you as well. Paul says again in 1 Corinthians 14, If all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He's called, account, he's called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Now I appreciate that the offer of the secrets of your heart being disclosed might not be exactly what you wanted when you came here today. But... More important than that is that you would know God is real. God is alive. He knows you. He cares for you. When prophetic words are given that you realize, you hear, that's about me. That stirs faith. That develops faith. That challenges you to think again about what you have assumed is true in the world and about God. Prophecy does this. And even if you don't have the gift particularly, We'll talk about more in a moment. But even if you don't have it, to be a Christian is to be part of a community that should be shaped by prophetic ministry amongst all the other gifts that God has given. So it really is for all of us in the giving, in the receiving, and being part of a community that gives and receives and hears prophecy. So prophecy is for today. Prophecy is for all of us. What, and let's look at some more things that prophecy does. Prophecy gets things started. So we're going to read from Acts 9. 
and verse 10. And what's happened in Acts 9 is that Paul, who was a fierce opponent of Christianity and was going, trying to kill them all over the place and get them arrested, encounters Jesus on the, way, on the road to Damascus, realizes that Jesus, who was dead, is now alive, is Lord of all, gives himself, gives his life to Jesus. But the encounter is so powerful and so profound and so physical that Paul, or Saul as he was known, also is blinded by it. And so he is basically kind of led by the hand into Damascus. And this is what happens next. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord, that's Jesus, said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of, man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go. For he is, my chosen, he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Really worth noticing, the boldness of a prophet. It's not there at first, but it gets there. Jesus says to Ananias, go to the guy who keeps trying to murder people like you. And Ananias says, I need some more data before I do that, because I've heard nothing good about him. But he still has to believe, doesn't he? Even when Jesus says it again, he still has to believe that by going into that house and saying what he's going to say, he is obeying God. And, and that is built into prophecy. You have to take that risk. You have, there is that moment where you're saying, I believe God in this. So we should expect that. We should experience that in the moment as we are prophesying. What Ananias gives to Paul was not common sense. And it wasn't good advice. And it wasn't even quoting from the Bible, which it could have done from the Old Testament. It was a revelation from God for Paul in that moment, right there, right then. And so we must understand, this is what prophecy is. This is a word that defined the rest of Paul's life. You're going to go to the Gentiles. You're going to go amongst kings. You're going to travel for my name, and you're going to suffer greatly for it. Paul believed that word, and it shaped his life. Paul is the, you see in Acts, a sense of, is the gospel really going to the Gentiles, isn't it? We're not sure, Gentiles being non-Jews. And clearly the Jewish Christians, they weren't quite sure for a while, and they, God speaks to them, and they're kind of responding to it, but they're still not quite getting it. Paul is the one who really gets it. Paul is the one who's teaching on how the gospel is for the whole world. The good news of Jesus is for everyone, is definitive for helping us understand how all of Scripture speaks that. I wonder if Paul would have got that if Ananias hadn't brought that prophetic word to him, you're to go to the Gentiles. He might always just have stayed with the Jews. That's how life-changing prophecy can be. 
It's so important for us. It's so helpful for us. But what happens next is really interesting. Paul disappears. He, he, go, he, he starts preaching, but it doesn't go very well. And then essentially, he goes missing for 10 years. I'm sure he knew where he was and where some other people knew where he was. But he goes. So a word is given. You are to go to travel the world. And what happens is he goes back to his hometown. He tries to go a couple of places, it doesn't really work out. He goes back to his hometown. Prophetic words are given, and sometimes they aren't fulfilled straight away. But they do something in our heart, and it's our job to preserve that, to maintain it, to keep believing God for it. So Paul has around 12 years between a prophetic word being given and it being fulfilled. I think during that time, he must have kept it in his head. He must have prayed to God about it. Sometimes he would say, God, thank you, one day it's going to happen. And other times I imagine, God, it's still not happening. What is going on? Why the wait? But he cherished it and he believed it. That may be true for you as well. God has spoken things to you, prophecies you've had, things people have said to you. And you can be tempted to think, well, I mean, it was a long time ago now, so I guess that wasn't going to come to pass. And as we'll see, not every prophecy is necessarily from God but some are many are and if God spoke to you back then and gave you faith for it back then maybe today he's reminding you of that and saying to you again believe me for it believe me in a new way that what I said I will bring to pass I don't speak to no purpose God says I speak to you that you might be able to be ready in that moment and I think it's a prophetic thing for some of you many of you have given up on things that God's saying to you right now I want you to believe for again even go and find the piece of paper that it's written on Find where it is. Was it scribbled in your Bible? Was it in a notepad or something like that? Can you remember what it was? You might even know the person who gave it to you. Go and find them and say, do you remember that at all? Let's talk about this. Let's pray about it. I keep, when people give me prophecies, I, they get put straight on a, a note uh, on my phone. And then I store them in the kind of like the digital storage stuff that I use as well. And, and they're there. And I have to discipline myself to go back and remind myself of them. And to pray about them and to believe God for them. Because prophecy starts something, but that doesn't mean that something happens straight away. But things do happen. Here, here's what goes on. So it's only a couple of pages in Acts, but when you add all the dates together, it's about 10 years. And a guy called Barnabas goes and finds Paul and takes him to Antioch, which is a rapidly growing church which needs some leadership. And Acts 13 tells us what happens there. Various things happen, and then Acts 13, verse 1, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaon, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, i.e. Paul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after, praying, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Then it goes. That prophetic promise, that thing that God had said and put in Paul's heart, when the Holy Spirit says, 12 years later, set Paul and Barnabas apart for the work I've called them to, he knows. He's ready. He's been waiting. Yes, says Paul, let's go. I know exactly where I'm going. And he sets off to Cyprus and then to other areas of the world where there are loads of Gentiles who need to hear the gospel. Prophecy gets things going. It triggers things. It reminds you of things. It says, now's the time. And we have to respond to that. Uh, my previous church, 
I um, had a guy come up to me who I, I recognized was an experienced prophet and wouldn't say things lightly. And he said, Luke, I feel God speaking to you uh, that everything's going really well and really good, but something's going to happen. You're going to encounter someone in the coming year that's really going to change everything. And uh, you need to know that that's from God and that he wants you to do that. And uh, he wants you to be responsive to that moment when it comes. And to be honest, because I do like things being planned well in advance, and I like knowing what's going to happen, and that's what I usually have faith for, I was really, really perturbed. I, 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 would sometimes, I remember I was in Denmark on a quick like, mission trip. I remember thinking, I really, really don't want to move to Denmark. <laughs> but I'm in the car with the guy who's leading the church. And literally, I have no memory of what he was saying, but I remember sitting in that car and just being like, God, if he says, do you want to move to Denmark? I've got this prophetic word. I'm probably going to have to say yes to that, and I really don't want to. And that went on for most of that year. <laughs> Not all the time, but it was there. And then one day, I was at a, a, I'd been at a conference uh, that a guy called Steve Tibbet, who leads a really large New Frontiers church, and is a great leader, a really skilled guy. I'd been at a conference that he was at, and had filled in some feedback and stuff. And he came up to me at another thing and said, Luke, how do you fancy doing an internship with me for six months, following me around for six months, down in Catford? And I thought, oh. And I looked. It was literally a year to the day since I'd had that prophetic word that in, a, in the coming year, someone's going to speak to you, and it's going to change everything. And to be honest, if I hadn't had that prophecy, I probably would have said to him, Steve, that's a great offer, but to be honest, I'm really focused here on what I'm doing down in Bedford, and that's what I'm really about. Uh, you know, thanks a lot, but no thanks. But the prophetic triggered something for me that when that moment came, I believed God and was able to have an amazing six months, hugely important time in my life. God set that up for me. He's gracious in that way. Sometimes there's stuff that's in your heart that you've wanted to do, you've wanted to do, and it can be the prophetic that releases that for you. So lots of people say to me, you're quite good at writing, you seem good at writing, when are you going to write a book? And I've basically always said, when I feel like I've got something to write about. You can't just say, I'm going to write a book and then do it. Uh, as far, although some people clearly do, but you shouldn't. <laughs> and um, um, I, So I've kind of just lived with that in my head as a thing. And then uh, last summer, I was with some friends, uh, and uh, we meet every summer. We go do it a couple more weeks, and we pray for each other and bless each other and share life, and it's great, and I love it. And uh, one of the guys there, this prophetic friend of mine, actually, uh, and they were just like, what do you want to pray for? And I, I think I mentioned the writing thing as a kind of, it's an ongoing thing. I don't know what I should do about it, but here it is. And he just, he, we were praying. He said, I just see... Um, I see you giving definition to things. I see uh, a sense of people saying, what does is, what is David I say about that? What is that guy? And he just, he described something that had been in my heart that I hadn't really spoken to anyone about, that just suddenly there was like a sense of a fusing of what was already there in me with a prophetic word that I suddenly got faith uh, for kind of doing a kind of project, which I still can't really explain to you, um, <laughs> because, I, uh, because I think it'll only make sense when it's done. But there was a, it was a prophetic trigger for me in that moment, that suddenly the thing in my heart was given a God, God encouragement, that, that peace almost that was missing, that I knew I should do something, and now I know what I should do, if that makes sense. There's a difference, and prophecy can trigger that for you, and, and so now I've got to get on with it. Um, but I know that God's spoken. For us as a church as well, God will sometimes give us prophetic words for us as a community. I've spoken quite individually so far because obviously that's my story. But there are moments that are prophetic for us together. 
So last year, I remember um, Raf Maraud and then Doris Maraud uh, bringing us words about uh, growth, uh, but also a sense of Doris' word was particular of like there being a, a kind of like bashing a hole in the wall of the building and kind of impelling people to come in as they walk past, calling them in. And so what do you do when you're given a word like that as a leadership? Well, you've got to believe it. You say, is this what God's saying to us? Well, that obviously fits with a general sense of uh, calling from God. Uh, what we didn't do is start a building fund to, to expand like a kind of huge window display out in the foyer, because I guess the nursing mothers wouldn't enjoy that. Um, and uh, sorry, that's a poor joke. Um, no, I'm sorry, I totally shouldn't have said that. Um, but what we didn't, what we basically thought we were like, we're running with this word in sense of what, what does this mean? What does this look like? Well, over the past year, I've noticed that our social action work has increased. We're doing more and more things that are inviting people in, are compelling those who need to come in to come in. That's been amazing. And then in our conversations when we as elders were thinking about employing Gordon, we thought, well, this kind of fits with that. We want to do a youth work that reaches out to this area and brings people in. And funny thing, Hub 104 uses that door, those doors through there. No one, it's our youth event that happens on a Friday afternoon. No one else uses those doors. And they're like right in the middle of the wall. And you just think, God... This is part of what you were doing. Now, we didn't say to Gordon, we have a word that there needs to be a hole in the wall and you need to see it. But sometimes in the prophetic, God just puts something in you that he then fulfills. Prophecy gets stuff happening. We need it. We should want it. These are key turning points. So how do we process prophecy? Last point. I think there are usually three parts in a prophetic, a prophetic word. There is the revelation from God. There's the interpretation of what it means, and there's the application of what you need to do about it. I think it's helpful to have those three things separated, because often I find prophetic people feel like they need to do all three. They need to have had the revelation, and then to understand what it means, and then to tell people what they need to do about it. Now, that can sometimes happen, but it doesn't have to. And we've got a perfect example of that uh, from Paul's life in Acts 21. verses 10 to 14. While we, were, while we were staying for many days, this is actually in the house of uh, Philip with his four prophesying daughters. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. So Agabus brings a prophetic word that says this bad thing is going to happen. And either him or the others around him interpret that as to mean don't go to Jerusalem. But actually Paul had had many other prophetic words and had a sense of personal conviction for himself. He had to go to Jerusalem because God had said to him, you've got to go to Jerusalem and from Jerusalem to Rome. And that is what happened. But the, the revelation was correct, but the interpretation wasn't. And so we need to work these things out. Firstly, getting that sense of revelation. What does that look like? How do we experience that? A common factor, really, 
because it can work differently for different people, but common fact is you want to hear God speak. You're willing to say what he says. And so if you think, I want, I'd like to prophesy, okay, that's the right way to start. Believe God for that. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. It's right there in the Bible for all of us. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, I want God to speak to me. I want him to speak through me. I pray in the morning. I try and pray most mornings, spend time with God. I rarely find he speaks to me for other people during those times. But what I do find is that when I'm in context where I can pray and prophesy for people, he speaks to me then. And I think there's a principle at work in that that's important. In Jeremiah 23, it's dealing with the fact there are false prophets, people who are saying they're speaking God's word when they're not. And God says, if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people. So if you want to speak for God, you need to get time with God and listen to him. And that, in God's economy, gives you grace to prophesy. Because you're listening, even if you don't hear at that moment, when you're listening later, God will give you something. And so that's the way to start that. Um, I just think that's so important because we just, we're in a world, aren't we, that's constantly making us react. So your boss, your children, uh, the news, uh, social media, whatever, it's uh, always a reaction, always calling a reaction from you, aren't they? It's always... What, about, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? And often you think, I don't know, except it seems bad. Or I don't know, except it seems good. But that's not a prophetic response. A prophetic response has a sense of, I've, I've taken a step out of that. I'm hearing God. God is setting my agenda. God is giving me peace and encouragement and consolation so that I can speak into situations. I find too often Christians do this alone. Their knee-jerk reaction of Christians is phenomenally fast. And sometimes it's really unhelpful because they haven't stepped out of the situation and sought God and spoken because they've come from a place of, I've, I've listened to God, I've weighed it, now I can contribute. The Bible says we should be slow to speak. I believe part of that is because we should be seeking to hear God first. The bare bones of this, from my own experience, I generally would find there's something in my head that wasn't there a moment ago and I think it could be from God. I know that sounds a little shorthand, but that, that's genuinely just what it feels like. I, I'd just be like, there's something in my head. Obviously, I've got a whole load of Bible filters I'm then running that through. Could it be from God? Do I think it's right? All those kind of things. That's partly because I'm a leader. I'm going to tell you in a moment that you don't necessarily have to go through all of that yourself. But, but there's just something in my head. And it, I often feel less sure, but the more I start to share it with someone, the more my faith grows for it. So I just say, I, I will usually start with something. I feel God may be saying this to you. Quite often when I'm praying for something, I just notice something about them or around them. It's not a spiritual thing. I just notice. It could be just like the color of the shirt they're wearing or whatever. And then as I start to share, God just brings more and more of this out of me, as it were. And um, so that's kind of how that usually starts for me. I know other people will be very different. They'll say, this morning I was praying. God spoke to me. I feel this is true for you now. Uh, sometimes, often it's very spontaneous. It's in the moment. Other times it can be, and people have brought things to me and for churches, where it's written down, and they've thought about it, and they've revised it, and that's totally legitimate as well, and the Old Testament prophets did that. Can be, again, as we've said, all sorts of things. A strange one. Once a guy, I knew him, um, and 
as I, as I just looked at him across the room, he was speaking, at, he was about to speak at a conference. I felt God say, uh, the words of God, not my words to be clear, I want to kiss him on the lips. And I thought, okay, how do I share that? Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so I, really, I, I, felt, I just felt a conviction from God. This was a thing from God. And so I went to him and I said, mate, I'm obviously not going to kind of work this out as God spoke to me, but let me, I just need to tell you this thing. I just felt God say, I want to kiss him on the lips. And he's from a different culture to me. And he said, that's how my dad greets me. Whenever I see my dad, that's how he greets me. And it just so encouraged him that God was with him as he then went to uh, preach that evening. And, and again, that's, I mean, that's a weird moment, isn't it? You think, how, do I sh- how do I share this? I've got to work it out. But faithfulness to God, you just see him all over the place. See he's alive and that he's speaking. We're to be confident in prophecy. We're not to be arrogant or presumptuous. The Bible tells us a lot, strong words about those who basically want to make their point sound better, and so they say, thus says the Lord. Don't you dare. I would generally say, I believe God is saying this. I think people who have grown in this gift more can have a stronger, more defined sense of, no, I know this is from God, or I'm not quite sure, or this definitely isn't. Because it is fine to say, I just want to give you some advice. Uh, I just believe this is a Bible verse that's true for you. That's fine. Say that. But as you grow in a gift, you get more familiar with it, more able to use it. I'm better at the gifts that God gave me years ago because I've used them more. Same is true for you in other areas. It's true for you in this area as well. So that's revelation. The interpretation and the application, Agabus was right and wrong. Paul says to the Corinthians, we prophesy in part. So be released by that. We prophesy in part. No one's going to have a 100% record. And you shouldn't expect to, and that's fine. Some things we just like, our imaginations go too far with it. Sometimes we add things to it. There's a a kernel of truth from God, but there's other stuff that we shouldn't have said. Um, And prophecy sometimes involves that lack of clarity in order that we would rely on God and involve other people in the process because that's how we're meant to live as a body with many functioning parts together. So a prophetic community should then work out how to process this. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. So the way you say, I love prophecy, is you say, is that really prophecy? But you do it by testing what is good, holding fast to what is good. Paul says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. Ultimately, kind of for the church, that's, that's an eldership role. And 1 Corinthians 14 uh, speaks to that, that we're meant to weigh this. Uh, if it's a big word it's for all of us, or for an individual, it's a significant word, you should get uh, people of senior leadership to help you process that. If it's just an encouraging word or, or, or an interesting word, you speak with small group leaders, other Christians who you trust. We work these things out together. If you've got something to share, I often find it really helpful when someone comes to me and says, I've just brought so-and-so along because I want to share this and I want them to hear it so that the three of us can talk this through a bit. And if I'm given a prophetic word that's really more than a general encouragement, I will always speak with, always speak with Dev about it, I'll speak with my fellow elders about it, I'll speak to trusted friends about it, say, look, here's just a word God's given recently, I value your input into it. We're weighing it. There isn't that moment of like, well, that's been said, therefore it must be the word of God. But we work it out and we see, is it in line with this? Is the context right? Is the heart and stuff that's been shared in right? 
the tricky question, does it make sense? Because it might not, but it might. But that's living in faith, and we trust God, and we work that through. And if you are, therefore, prophesying, feel liberated by that. Your job isn't to have it all together. Your job's to be faithful with what God's given you. And so you can say with, you know, tentatively, I think maybe God's saying this. I believe God possibly could be saying that. Please talk with some other people about it. Pray with them about it. Just say what you see or what you've heard, and then others can get involved. So God's alive. God is alive, and he's speaking today. There are loads of ways in which we experience that, but prophecy is a key one of it. And so I want us as a church together, as individuals within that, to believe God for it, to earnestly desire this spiritual gift that we might prophesy, that we would see us as a church and as individuals strengthened, encouraged, consoled, that we would see people who aren't quite sure if Jesus is alive yet, hearing his voice, knowing his care for their lives, and therefore giving themselves to him. God is always speaking. The question is, are we listening? God wants to encourage others and to speak to them through you. Are you willing for him to use you in that way?